What's going on, friends? Welcome to Random Number 100. That's right. This is our 100th episode of talking about all the latest movies. And we're even going back and checking out some oldies now. Um, I'm Ox. That's Luke over there. And this week, we're going to be discussing uh, a little bit of what we do in the shadows. The first couple episodes. Um, Barry, season two, up to last night's episode. Uh, for the worst and best list, we watched Baby Geniuses and then Silence of the Lambs, respectively. Uh, Battlestar Galactica is nearly done. We're in season four, episode 11 through 15. So next week will be the end of it all. Um, we also watched theatrically The Hustle and Detective Pikachu. And finally, we'll be ending with Game of Thrones season eight, episode five. Whew. Did you get everything watched? Yes. <laughs> we were just discussing before we popped on, but uh, we pretty much crammed everything in the last two days for sure. So uh, I think everything is pretty much fresh on all of our minds right now. And uh, we're looking to get through this so we can I, get to, t- to bed. Cause... I I don't know if that's true. Like, I was like, I popped on baby, I popped on baby geniuses and watched like four minutes. I was like, this is awful. I'm just going to read. And then I was reading like, I was reading this horrible Batman run. And I was like, oh God, it's just shit everywhere. And my brain kind of broke. Well, we'll get into it. Um, let's start off with uh, what we do in the shadows. Uh, are you digging that? It is beautiful, and everyone should watch it. Totally. Absolutely wonderful, stellar review, and that's all you need. So let's move on. No, no, they're (laughs) doing really smart things. I think they did – they have a great cast that carries that same aesthetic over from the movie. Um, I think it's a great jumping point. If you haven't seen the movie as well, I think they're setting up everything that they did in the movie well. Um, And uh, I like that it – since it's a show versus the movie, which had this more concise setup and narrative, they're able just to explore these little parts yeah. off. It's just like nowhere in the movie could they be like, "Hey, what if we see them go to a city council yeah. meeting?" But in the show, they can. Do that, so. It's so good. It's so brilliant. Uh, I think probably my favorite part so far is uh, I I can't remember, but I don't think so. But they have emotional vampires in the show as well, or. Um, they can feed on people's uh, emotions and whatnot. Um, one of their roommates is one of these, and they don't appreciate him being around, but uh, he's one of them. So um, it's a really great dynamic. They're kind of daywalkers because they don't te- they don't follow the same rules as the traditional vampires as we know. Um, but they are illustrated perfectly in this show. I feel like everybody knows so many of these. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, and it's just good. And it helps that, you know, Taika Waititi and Jemaine are all over it too. And, you know, they just carry that aesthetic so well from the, show, the movie to the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. So if you've seen the movie and enjoyed it, definitely get on the train for this show. Uh, if you haven't, definitely Plus, just jump in. Uh, Plus the the one vampire Laszlo, was that his yeah. name? The dude from IT Crowd, <laughs> who I think he cracks me up anytime oh, I see him. So uh, he was a great replacement for the uh, lead role on the show, or one of them anyway. Uh, yeah, I think they're just doing a brilliant job with it. And uh, the werewolf fight was great too. 
so yeah it's beautiful just watch it yeah go check that out uh jumping from there let's talk barry and how this show captured me 100 percent with that first episode in um i was talking last week that i wasn't sure i was lukewarm on the show um for the first season anyhow if it felt very i don't know boring kind of um i I don't i or stale maybe stale but i feel like they were aiming for that almost um just to give it enough life to keep it going but like first the first episode in the second season like i'm on board with no hank fucking barry's wonderful from where it left off it feels like it picked up just seconds after um the first season ended um, and we're back into it. Uh, we've, I think the first season was pretty uniform at like 28 minutes each episode. And like with this season, we're getting a few minutes extra here and there. I think a few of them have been 35 minutes or so, but, uh, yeah, it's just rocking strong and I'm pretty excited about the finale next week. Uh, yeah, I mean, what the fuck? How can you end the last episode like that? How can you do this to my yep, heart? For sure. Uh, going back to what you were saying last week, uh, episode five of this season being so wonderful. Um, completely out of left field. I was not expecting that episode to be as absolutely stunning and wonderful as it was. Um, yeah. Because those first four episodes. Literally, like, I wasn't. Those first four episodes. I wasn't so, lying. Yeah. No, I think because I'm pretty sure it was you I texted because that was the same weekend as the Battle of Winterfell mm-hmm. and Endgame, and I was just like, "Well, Episode Five of Barry was the best thing that came out this weekend." Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I thought you were just bullshitting me, only on the premise because you were trying to get me into the show. But like, man, I wish I would have believed you because that would have been a hell of a weekend. <laughs> oh my god! Because even you start off, you're like. The fight choreography is amazing. How they lay up the spatial awareness of the house he's in. And then, like, you just do that long take of him and the fucking judo fucking Olympic medalist fighting. And then it just breaks down from there. And there's kids. And fucking Fuchs gets his fucking cheek ripped off. And it's all beautiful. It's so brilliant. It's it's literally a couple hours in the life of Barry. And it's, it's perfection. Like... I'm so excited about the finale now. Yeah, I'm. I don't think there's a good way out of this, and that really upsets me. Do they have a third season already? No, not that I know of. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, I think HBO usually gives them two seasons right off the bat, right? Uh, I don't know. Okay, HBO does what they want to do, but I remember a lot of people. I can't remember when Barry got picked up, but. I remember a lot of them were like, does it need a second season? And now that I've seen it, I was like, yes, it absolutely yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because Hater's killing it. Um, the dynamic he has with the new characters and, like, the exploring the different issues. Um, like, I think he does have PS- PTSD and, like, the way they're going through that and, like, him finding people that he can discuss this stuff with and no ho Hank's fucking arc through this season was brilliant. Um, oh my God, dude. Wait, it's just like the fucking accordion player. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. 
Uh, just spilling his guts on the buttons and getting lit on fire. Um, I think it'd be a, a very fun dynamic if they get a third season because I think it it's a, a thing where Barry would have to go up against this army that he just trained for this season. And like, oh my God, I hope they get a third season right now. So, yeah. I'm just curious because like, you know, when you look at it like thematically, this whole season's about the truth and withholding it and telling it and how that changes stuff. You know, like literally Hank loses everything in this episode because he tells the truth about how he's a good guy and he, this is all facade and his guys turn on him. Oh my yeah. God. No, that first, uh, the episode, the end of episode one where he has that monologue and he's just telling Barry like how it is. Like he drops the joking. He's like, listen, this is how it is. This is what I need. And uh, so you're going to do that because we're gonna die if you don't and like that was the moment i was like shit he is so fucking great and i'm so upset at myself for saying he wasn't anything less than brilliant last week um you're you're a fool but i love how like on so many things like even when uh in the episode where um Barry was like, you know, I'm done. I've trained you. And they're doing the celebration to repay him. You, <laughs> you like, have no idea. Hater. And I was like, what's going on? And like, they're fucking all dancing. I fucking lost it. I was like, that is fucking perfect awkwardness what, of this life. What's beautiful about it, you know, and like the scene where like Hank's giving him the pin and then the accordion player comes in. He's like, you just fucking ruined my moment, man. But like, <laughs> oh my God, yes. Because his moment was like, listen, we can be friends. Like, we don't have to, like, put this behind us. Like, I don't think you're a good guy. And, like, the Arcordy guy ruins that moment. So he never actually says it to him. And, like, so they're still on these awkward uh, hinges of each other's <laughs> but, friendship. Uh, so. But the best thing about it, though, is if you watch Hater, he cannot. He's cracking up. Like, he oh, yeah. cannot hold it together. He's always just, his face is off screen. He's turning to the right. <laughs> oh, but there's so many brilliant moments from Hater too. Like, when he, like, I gotta give credit where credit's due. Like, that first season, uh, he was holding so much back. And, like, you can tell from this season because he actually starts expressing quite a bit more. And even when he does the uh, little sketch that his girlfriend writes, and when he actually gets into it and, like, lays into it, it's like, shit, Hater is such a brilliant actor. And, like, now he's getting to explore that shit, and it's just fucking beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And, like, I'm really glad you've turned a corner, because otherwise that's going to call you a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I would have totally accepted it in a later life. Um, but yeah, I'm fucking stoked and we'll discuss the finale next week because I'm pretty excited about it. So yeah, uh, it'll be good from there. Let's talk worst and best and let's talk about baby geniuses. <laughs> Do we have to <clears throat> listen? This movie's really weird. What? Uh, Hold on. I want to point something out that this movie came out in 1999. Mm-hmm. The year of our Lord that is one of the best years for movies ever. <laughs> this fucking thing came out. It's 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 so strange. By no means is it a good film. It's not on anybody's anybody's fucking list for anything oh resembling. Are you? Hold on. 
Hold up, hold up, hold up. Are you trying to defend this right now? I don't know yet. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> it started off as a movie that was like just like, okay, I understand how they got this concept. They put this movie through whatever they made it. And it's not like the adult actors, I suppose, aren't awful. And like the pres- premise kind of makes sense. But like it gets to that point where a joke, like you say it too many times, it becomes less funny. And, like, it never catches back up with itself. So it just continues to, like, drive itself into the ground. And it's so awkward about two-thirds of the way through. And it's like, why why was this movie made at any point? Like, what a mess. Um, Yeah, it makes no sense. I can't figure anything out in it. Um, The idea that children are anything more than piles of mush and have like agency creeps me the fuck out and like, like not even to that it. point they think they're intelligent human like they are on the same level as human or as fully grown adults and like they have all that knowledge they just don't know how to communicate i was like but no that's that's not a thing that's ever going to be real because and none of it makes sense like like, I don't understand. Like, when a baby is born, does does it know what Game of Thrones season, the last season of Game of Thrones, pissed people off? I love like, the, I one don't kid, get it. the one kid's dropping Vader references. And uh, yeah. like, the, the other is like, he just watches TV because he hacks everything and, like, he knows how to turn TV on. It was like, what? what the fuck is going on? And I think I'm more upset that there are so many fucking sequels to this goddamn movie. You know what upsets me? That no one wears fucking pants in this movie. Put some pants on those babies. <laughs> I agree. Also, there's this really strange fucking montage of scenes from the entire movie on the last five minutes of the movie that, like, are three movies. And they're just, like, see, like the scenes of the movie. Like, if you just watch that, you know the whole concept of the movie. And it's yeah, it's called padding out the runtime. It's so fucking weird. Um, um, the idea that these children know all the answers to everything, they know the mysteries of the universe, but they're just sitting there being like, oh, that diaper's full of baby gravy, and it's just like, what? Also, what is happening? Also, the, the even more strange, like, these, these babies know how to save their parents' essentially orphanage ran by the government money and like they're telling their parents ideas to add on so they can have more like essentially a baby mill so they can get enough also, money to just pay off the house with money coming from the government also <laughs> these babies understand sex that they want to fuck and I don't get it this movie's atrocious <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I don't know who it's for. Um, the fact they do that weird fucking like, here we're gonna film this baby, but we're gonna CGI its lips moving, and it creeps me the fuck out. It it looks like shit. Like it looks like an amateur made this movie, and you're like, oh no, the dude who made Christmas Story did this. Yeah, yeah. It's just so fucking weird. Don't watch it. Just absolutely don't. 
Um, I know we're talking about it and laughing about shit, but uh, don't trust me on this one. You're going to hate yourself. Also, I don't care how smart a child is. It can't do Kung Fu. It can't happen. Oh, you mean fucking uh, judo throwing people coming at him? Also, <laughs> I, love, I love that it's a uh, essentially a Resident Evil fucking station where there are five levels oh underground. They, and like somehow he's all made. I want to do, all I want to do is I want to interview Paul W.S. Anderson and be like, do you rip that shit off from Baby Geniuses? They do the full, like... Because they do the whole, like, the wireframe CGI that shows there's this huge complex underground. That's in every Resident Evil movie. Oh, shit. Oh, that'd be fucking brilliant. And I hope, like, his rebuttal is like, yeah, but nobody's watching those fucking movies, so who gives a shit? <laughs> oh, god damn. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's baby geniuses. It's real bad. It's awful. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, so on to the best of the list, uh, with Silence of the Lambs. Um, how'd you feel about watching it? Uh, it's still so good. It's such a good movie. For being nearly 30 years old, this movie holds up so well, um, and it feels like it was made uh, like a couple of years ago, but like so true to the age. Like, of course, it looks a little awful just because of the age of the film, but like everything's so on point for this movie. And um, I went into this movie thinking I was going to like it a little less because I love Hannibal so much. But like everything made everything so much better. Um, it's so crazy. Um, I, <laughs> when I started, I was like, this is a two hour movie. I was like, <clears throat> basing on what I think you said either last week or the week before, like every movie should be about an hour and a half. So I was like, going into the movie, I was like, well, let's, let's think about things we could cut. And I wouldn't cut a fucking single second out of this movie. Like even the intro where like, she's going through the labyrinth of FBI like that sets you up to for the maze scene at the end and like this ridiculous labyrinth she has to navigate and like gets nearly killed in um yeah and to only have like even more uh, character stuff from Hannibal like Chilton and shit like that like god damn this movie is so good yeah it's so good everyone's so good in it like the fact that, like, this is ostensibly a horror movie. You know, it's serial killers eating people. And everyone's like, yeah, we have to give it the Oscar. It's that good, <laughs> you know? For sure. Um, I love it that they... Ostensibly, Hannibal's the bad guy. But obviously, uh, Buffalo Bill is. Um, and they don't show him till like, three quarters of the way through the movie. Like, the last half hour is basically him. But... Man, it's such brilliant framework for all of it. Um, so good. God damn. Yeah, there's a reason, like, that Hannibal, the character, was so ingrained in the pop iconography. Because fucking Anthony Hopkins is so good in that role. Yeah, for the sure. The fact that, like, 
the fact that he never fucking like blinks and he's always just being super fucking creepy and oh my god it's so good i just i love it all it's really a toss-up between which my favorite animal is like they both have such great merits and even though um i was a little wary because obviously i didn't think hopkins could live up to fucking mads um, and then you get the fucking angel on his fucking cell, and I was like, "Shit, they're on the same level." Like, fuck, it's so good. Yeah. Plus, you know, the show did steal a lot of oh, iconography yeah, sure. from this, and and the idea that like, you know, um, the character of Miriam from the show is ostensibly Clary's. Mm-hmm. It's their way of doing. You know, it's the young in the academy still trainee that Crawford uses to try and get close to Hannibal, and then. She eventually goes to Hannibal's side, which happens in the later fucking shit from this. But, you know, like they they ribbed a lot of stuff from this, but because they couldn't do it themselves. But this stands above and beyond and what they could do there. They did their best. But like the idea of Clarice as a character is so much more fully formed than what they did in the show. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I obviously we're going to realize some things more than I guess new 2000 plus people would catch um, I mean we lived through that era where there was only landlines so like you could go into a house and you'd be completely blind and nobody would know you were there so like there's some real horror there like the fucking pit in the bottom of his house though like so well done like that fucking labyrinth uh, and uh, a few episodes ago, when we were doing uh, Leon the Professional, you were like, "Is this the first time you know someone did the dresses the opposite guys to get out?" Nope, Hannibal did it here. Yeah, like, dude, I, I was like, place. "Holy shit!" I was I was wondering how he got out because, God, I can't tell you the last time I saw this movie, but like when they checked him and it was fucking Hopkins Lane, I was like, "Son of a bitch." <laughs> fucking brilliant god i love this movie um yeah at the end so where good. he's like he's gonna have his friend for so i was like god damn it it's so good it is and and like it's so good across the board fucking uh jody foster's amazing mm-hmm. and that and hopkins is great demi's direction is so good i like, mean considering uh foster had to have been early 20s at the latest like, uh, you'd have to look into it. I'm not sure. She was so young in this movie and just killed it. Pun intended. Um, yeah. Fucking so Fuck good. Uh, the only change was obviously Fishborn. Um, but goddamn, having fucking Stick be the uh, Crawford for this movie, like, goddamn. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of it's a lot of good. Uh, that's all I can say. Is this movie holds the fuck up? Yeah, absolutely. So, jumping from there, uh, let's fucking talk some Battlestar Galactica. And you're such an asshole. Uh, <laughs> if you recall, last week Luke had me promise that I'd watch the first episode back, um, right after the show, which I did, and fucking de offs herself, and I was like, well. I'm done with BSG for a little bit. <laughs> it took like a whole fucking weekend to recover from it. Like one well, of my favorite characters is like, God. yeah, for sure. You would have went to go mainline it. She would have fucking blown her brains out. You would have been like, I don't know what to do. And you wouldn't have it done for this week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so getting back I can, 
watched it, but really, I just wanted you to watch Steve blow her fucking head off. I figured it was like, oh, do you want me to know the Starbucks fucking mystery that's afoot? Or uh, see the scorched earth that I didn't even realize was? Uh, nope, it was definitely the D killing herself. Um, <laughs> but it's such a, such a twist for these five I've been... I have been holding this in since the beginning when you're like, I fucking love D. D's my favorite character. And I was like, just wait till season four. Just no, you never wait. said that. You said, oh, sweet D. I was like, oh, what? She dies? Motherfucker. And like, we get to the last of those nine and ten episode um, for season four. And it just seems like everybody, everything's going well. Um, there's not really any Cylon threat to worry about. And like, shit's going to be okay. And we arrive on Earth, and I didn't realize last week um, that it was Scorched Earth um, when they did have the Geiger reader for the uh, catch-up recap. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, all else makes sense. Um, but, like, fucking hell. I figured we were on the downslope, like, nothing was going to be uh, riveting anymore. Like, we were going to wrap everything up, and, like, nope, we're still fucking kicking off. <laughs> yeah, this is literally, this is just, like, this is the breaking point. You know, you literally see, like, Adama's just fucking getting trash. He's got nothing to do. Fucking Roslyn's like, I don't want to be president anymore. Everyone on the fleet's, like, fucking infighting and just beating the shit out of There's nothing left. Yeah. This is, the, for a show that traffics in despair a lot of the time, this is as dark as they can go. Like, oh, this is, there's no lifeline. And it like it gets to such highs and such lows immediately after. Like, you see uh, Apollo going out with D, and like they had a good evening, and then D offs herself. I was like, I cannot handle this. And then at the end of the episode, we fucking find out Starbuck doesn't know what the fuck she is. Like, we still don't know what that is. So I'm interested to see. Well, it's okay. She just found her body. It's nothing. <laughs> nothing weird about that. <laughs> She just found her. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, so from there, uh, we're discussing updating the FTL drives, basically um, bringing Cylon technology to all the ships so we can make some more jumps and find a suitable Earth. And and to get that, the the the, the splinter group of Cylons wants to become citizens. They want you know they want protection from the fleet. They want to be integrated in. And guess who doesn't like that? Fucking Tom, Zarek, and fucking Gata. There's like, no, no, no. No, no Cylons. It's time for a mutiny. Yep. So we get two episode long mutiny. Uh, Felix basically takes the bridge, um, rounds up all the Cylons, so the Cylon supporters, uh, Adama and Ty, manage to escape. Uh, they get the president out of the way um, and like stand off. Like, fucking Adama just continues to impress me. Like, I'm so floored by his character still like we talk about how he fucking is just getting drunk and is giving up but like the next episode he's just fucking kicking ass as this 70 year old man just fucking laying it down like so fucking impressive yeah that does happen but you know what my favorite part of this arc is when fucking goddamn piece of shit anders just gets fucking shot in the back of the head <laughs> That's not shocking that that's your favorite moment. Because it's also one of my favorite moments. 
Um, I felt like I may have spoiled myself last week because, like, when I was doing my live tweet along, I see this one where uh, Rosalind's basically over this warboard, like, saying she's coming for all of them. I was like, was that earlier, like, in the show? Like, how have I never seen that? Because I didn't think there was a way that was going to show up yet. So when it did, it had this such gravity to it. I was like, fucking... We see Adama's perspective that he doesn't want to go on without Rosalind. And when Rosalind realizes the same um, as she's leaving Galactica and Adama essentially lays down his life for hers um, and they relay to her that he's been shot and she's like, like well, fuck you. I'm going to kill everybody now. <laughs> uh, it's such a turning point. Because fucking Adama gets on the horn and he's like, don't worry. These guys are assholes and they're idiots. Um, ship's mine again. Let's get let's get all this wrecked, ready. Um, but Chief uh, finds a big weakness and all the jumping around they've doing has basically weakened the ships to a point where they can't essentially jump through space anymore and they're kind of like sitting ducks right now. Um and this was a really great moment because uh, even though Adama's willing to put a Cylon FTL drive on board, he doesn't necessarily want to corrupt what Galacta, Galactica is. Um, and Chief brings it to the board like they have stuff that can heal, essentially strengthen the core of Galactica. It's the Cylon resin. It's how the base star is healing itself and Adama is having none of it uh, until he sees all these cracks that have been forming all over the ship, even in his like quarters, like he finds a giant crack and he's like, shit, we got to save this. We got to save the ship. She's been through too much. Um, it's just interesting because they essentially sacrifice the Pegasus which I'm sure was built a lot better because it was the newer updated version and Galactica was this old ship from the, the first wars um, that was still limping along. So it's crazy to see how far. Um, well, like not even limping along, it was getting turned into a museum, yeah. you know, like it was not supposed to be a functioning ship anymore. So it's it's crazy to see how far we've gone. And I'm glad like we had that moment to, to like reflect on that. And it's like, well, okay, let's bring it home. We got five episodes to go. We learned Ellen is the fifth, fifth of the last five or essentially one of the first. Uh, oh, and like how great was that back in like the first episode back when like the four of the five were hanging out on like demolished earth and fucking chiefs just like, I think I died in a nuclear blast over here. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's my shadow on this wall. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was broken up about D, and then fucking uh, Ty reaches into the, the water and is like, oh, that's where fucking Ellen died and said we were going to be reborn. So, like, it's interesting. Uh, I understand that they're uh, shooting from the hip, and, like, when they were back on New Caprica and Ellen was... Uh, getting on with Cavill, like, they didn't understand. I don't think that they necessarily knew that she was going to be one of the five. Um, so it's interesting to see how those lines uh, connected all the way up here. Um, 
and then them hashing out like what's gonna happen next. So yeah, I'm I'm digging the hell out of the show. I was surprised that it's still this fucking exciting and like blown away still up to this point. So we've got to. So I guess <laughs> I guess the last part is. Did you follow the info dump in the last episode well enough? I, I'm not sure. I think the big thing <laughs> that I I have questions about, it feels like Starbuck is a reborn Cylon. I think she was turned from seven and is like that one. <laughs> now. Okay, I can say the idea that there was this other Cylon, Daniel, who was killed, is literally that the showrunners fucked up their count. <laughs> there is no Cylon. Fair enough. Well, I'm honest. They they literally said, you know, in the first, in the miniseries, they're like, there's 12 models. And then they got to this point, there's like the final five. And then they're like, wait, the Sharons are at eight. That makes 13. <laughs> well, there's just this one that never you'll never see. <laughs> That's awesome. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so you're going to have to run me through the info dump. Uh, essentially, the, the, the last five made the other Cylons, right? The humanoid models, yes. For, so, for the Centurions, Centurions that were in essentially the 80s series? Well, it's the Centurions that... that uh, the war four like years that. ago, whatever. Yes, the original Cylon. So basically what it was, was the 13th tribe uh, who went to Earth was Cylons. You know, they, they, they test the human remains that they find and they're not human. It's Cylon DNA. The humanoid models at the Final Five are were a race of Cylons that were created with First Man. And they were the 13th tribe that went off. So... They went off to Earth, and they knew of resurrection, and they could download into bodies, but they started to procreate and make babies of their own, so they stopped. And the final five were the ones who brought it back. They rediscovered what resurrection was. Uh, And basically, they had created their own model of centurions, and that had caused an uprising from them, and that's how Earth got bombed. Wow. Now, they then traveled back to the original colonies to warn them, you know, don't fuck around with AI and this, because this is what will happen. But since they were traveling at sublight speed because jumps weren't invented yet, it took them 2,000 years to get back, and the Cylon War was already going on. They then said that, uh, you know, they went to the Centurions who were working on hybrids and stuff, and they said, you know, we'll make humanoid models for you and we'll give you resurrection if you stop the war. Nice. And then, uh, so then Cavill was the first one they built, and he, like he says in his speech, he resents it. You know, I don't want to be in a human body. I'm a, I'm a machine. I should be beyond what you've been oh my god like that shit was so fucking impressive like uh, i just feel so bad like he's one of the silence that i just didn't give a damn about until this episode i was like damn it he knows he could be so much more but he's 
limited to a human construct and uh, yeah so- just that speech he gives where he's like you know i want to feel a supernova go across me and see in x-rays and smell gamma he's like but i can't because you fucking locked me in this body and since he's so resentful of what they've done he uh he wipes all their memories essentially and then plants them in the colonies with false memories so that when they die and they re-upload and then get get their original memories back they would thank him they would say you know humanity is vain and corrupt oh, and awful oh so and that was the wrong. first time ellen died and she downloaded and then had her memories i got you that's awesome fucking and that's why she, and that's why she remembers everything but none of the other five do until andrew why, gets like, shot in the head <laughs> yeah so basically we come back to the uh, of the scriptures and what they've been saying forever, right? All this has happened before and all of it will happen again. Literally this happened on earth to the 13th tribe and they were trying to stop it from happening here again. Damn. That's so awesome. Like this show, just so good. Um, it, it also brought up that fact. Like I didn't know if they could die or if the last five were the only models, because I mean, you see Sharon, there's like, thousands and thousands of copies of her so like it it wouldn't make sense that they didn't have any copies running around of themselves but but and also since you know cavill you know mm-hmm. made it you know like a, a sin you know the cylons even the centurions were the ones who believed in the, the centurions believed in the one true god and that's why they're religious like this mm-hmm. and you know cavill manipulated it to be like it's a sin to think about the final five. You have to forget about them. We can't do anything. And he hid their bodies and no one knew who they were or, you know, they didn't have just models of their bodies hanging in resurrection hubs. Cause he yeah. didn't want it. That's fucking awesome. What a brilliant show. God damn it. It's so good. Um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see the last, uh, how this whole wraps up. Um, I think, You've stated a couple times that it's the finale that kind of falls flat, right? Uh, not for me. I love the finale, but most people hate the finale okay. more than the lost finale. Ooh. Then some, then some fighting words. So it'll be interesting to see how it wraps up. Um, and so, like, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves for a second, but uh, since everyone loses their goddamn minds about Game of Thrones and they're hating it so much. Um, I saw multiple tweets last night that were people were like, so, you know, in re- retrospect, the, the lost finale in the final season wasn't so bad. It's fine. And then one guy was like, and then I saw a couple others was like, so we're all cool with how Battlestar ended, right? We're fine with it now after this horse shit. So I literally saw that tweet better. before I uh, kick off this podcast. I was like, son <laughs> of a bitch. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it wraps up. Um, I think that's all. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Everything that they do in the finale, it's not something they just pull out of their ass. Those threads have been with, they're ingrained in the DNA of the series. Yet everyone was kind of like, oh, that's bullshit. They just turned on a dime. You're like, no, it's it's always fucking been there, dude. I'm excited about it. Uh, Even, I think... um, one of these last episodes, it even uh, referenced uh, Starbucks, um, whatever she got from the hybrid on uh, Razor. 
So, yep. yeah, fucking dope show. I love the show. Um, jumping from there, let's talk about the theatrical releases. And did you like the hustle? Um, not really. <laughs> I, it's a movie. It is. It is indeed. Um, I don't know. It, it felt pretty predictable. Um, I well, still, it doesn't I help that it's, it's. It does not help that it's a remake of a remake. Oh, I yeah, I didn't know that, so I figured. Um, have the other remakes been called the hustle? No, I can't remember what the original movie is called, but the remake is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Michael Caine and Steve Martin. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was kind of transparent, but uh, I, I guess they updated it for now times. But um, Anne Hathaway does a great job. I, I'm not so keen on her, but I think uh, Rebel, or Rebel Wilson, right? Yes. Uh, she does a fantastic job. I think she uh, embodies... I'd say it's the other way around. I, I I really feel Rebel embraces this um, almost physical comic comedy that uh, Chris Farley used a lot. Um, I don't Literally. think she's at the point where Chris Farley was at his height, but I feel like she's going to be there in the next couple of years. If anything, she's doing like the same physical comedy shit that Melissa McCarthy's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Melissa McCarthy has kind of dropped off the last couple of years and like trying i don't know it's weird with her because she has some good movies like spy and then she'll turn around and do life of the party that was just what a mess that was um listen you're not even i love how that's the one you go to and not fucking the happy time murders i blocked it on my head i'm i seriously forgot i had seen that movie because that what a fuck what a fuck of a movie that was um (laughs) And what but, you know, I think so much of like it's like they don't allow Rebel Wilson to be funny that everything has to be based on her weight. I think and, she, like, I think I she think, I think she skirts around that very well. Um to the point where like it's hard there's a couple scenes that are hard to watch because I mean it is all about that. But I feel like she's come to a way to deal with that. Um, I feel like she's being uh, pigeonholed for this role, this type of role, I suppose, because I think she does the same thing in the Pitch Perfect movies. I could be wrong, though. Um, I think I've only seen the half of the first one. But um, yeah, I really think she's going to get there in the next couple of years and kind of have some really brilliant comedies. So I'm looking forward to them. But this is kind of. It's all right. <laughs> it's just like I don't know. Every time, like I think it's gonna be fun, it it follows that path for like two minutes, and then it's like now we're gonna do the thing that you don't want to see, and that won't be fun. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, but I had an alright time. It was an alright movie. Uh, I feel it's like... like it's the kind of movie that like when you're hungover on a Sunday and it's playing on fucking TBS, you're like, well, I'll watch it. Whatever. Hundred percent. Hundred percent, definitely a watch on Netflix kind of movie. Um, but not, uh, I think I'd, I'd recommend a rent, but I, I don't think I'd go to see it in the theaters. But uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, I don't it's think just not enough funny and like it's 
it's weird and like it just feels it's it's half baked. Like yeah. I feel like if they had a couple more passes on it, mm-hmm. maybe it makes sense. Yeah, but I think they, uh, yeah, they do a lot of good things, but not enough to make it cohesive enough to to stand on its own legs. So it's alright yes. movie. Um, jumping from there, uh, how'd you feel about Detective Pikachu? What a weird fucking movie. <laughs> oh, yeah? Um, well, for one, it's like... Okay, listen. If you've listened to any of us in the past 100 episodes, you know, like, this is just a private talk between friends, so we can spoil shit. So, if you get pissy about spoilers, get out. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. One, it's, it's like 90% of the movie is like baby's first noir let's just like here we got fucking we we got fucking the fluorescent lighting from blade runner and we got the fucking the intrepid gal dame reporter but we're gonna show you just a bunch of pokemon like (laughs) none of it really makes sense we just need to go from scene to scene and show you pokemon Mm -hmm. until you get to the last 10 minutes and then all of a sudden, it's about the fragility of the human body and how we have to burn soul for Pokemon. And then Ryan Reynolds is really Pikachu as the kid's dad. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Brilliant wrap-up. I feel like you nailed every point. <laughs> uh, this- like, literally, when all of a sudden Bill Nye is just like, Pokemon are better than us. They can evolve. They are the best humans could be, and we need to merge souls. So, like, come again? What the fuck are we doing here? Uh, brilliant. Um, I, essentially, that he would only stay linked until his body gave out, though. Yeah, and the idea that, like, he genetically created this Pokemon who can m- merge souls, but he can't use it on himself. I'm like, there's some, like, there's some dark shit here. <laughs> also, Ditto's fucking horrified. <laughs> I've seen people yeah. like memeing their faces as Ditto. Like, let's stop that shit right now. <laughs> Nobody needs that yeah, anywhere. Like, it's all fine until fucking goddamn you got BDI sticking out of a normal face. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, here's the problem why it probably didn't work with me. I have a passing cursory knowledge of Pokemon that I've mostly gotten through cultural osmosis. Like, I couldn't afford a Game Boy when I was a kid, so, like, I never played the games, and then I was too old, and I never really played them. But, like, I know what the fuck Snorlax is, you know, and shit. Mm -hmm. But, like, so I didn't really, like, grab onto it, I guess. You know, like, it, it didn't excite me to be like, oh, shit, there's a fucking... A Psyduck. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely a movie for Pokemon addicts. Um, I think I had the same cursory knowledge that you did going in. I mean, I've caught half of movies here and there, a few episodes, but for the most part, I never played any of the games or anything like that. Um, just knew it was kind of this cultural <sighs> zeitgeist. Uh, when it hit and um, yeah I, I, I've seen a lot of people that have played the games and whatnot they were stoked on it and I'm happy that they got this movie because I mean it looks great um, the CGI is really great um, there's a couple moments where it's like maybe they should have opted for a different choice like there's a moment where he's putting the hat on the Pikachu 
and it just looks really odd. Like, obviously, he's doing it on a green screen, but, like, um, but, yeah, most of the movie just looks fucking gorgeous, so. Yeah, and, I mean, in, in the end, it's just, it's definitely a movie for kids, because none of it really makes any sense. Uh, it, uh, it, it gets to that point where it's the last two minutes, and it's the reveal that he's the dad in the Pikachu body. It's like, well, this is just fucking weird now. And I think kids can get over that. They're just like, yeah, fuck yeah, Pikachu. <laughs> but also, like, there's that whole scene where, like, when they go to, like, the the laboratory and then all of a sudden they're running outside from the fucking ninja Pokemon. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, we're on these giant Pokemon. We're on this mountain is a Pokemon. And I was like, none of the geography of that scene makes sense. And it was kind of comprehensible. Like, seriously, I know that's fucking bullshit for me to be nitpicky at it. But I was like, when, like. I couldn't follow the geography of that scene. I was like, yeah. I don't know what they're doing. Now they're jumping from tree to tree going vertically. I was like, well, how is this? Mm. What's going on? I couldn't follow it. No, no, no. I was right there with you. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a fun little mess. Um, I think if you have people that even have a little bit of knowledge like we do, uh, they're going to enjoy this one. And I'm sure you already and saw it, it. So, And that's the other problem is like, I have such a cursory knowledge that I know enough to like, not to fuck myself up basically when like <laughs> i was like i was like oh bill nighy's the bad guy you don't have a movie with bill nighy in it where he's not the bad guy but then like i loved there, it there because was, like, i was they... like oh it's fucking it's uh what's his name from Shaun of the dead it's their dad and he's gonna be a good guy in this movie yay and like halfway through but... the movie it's like mm, he's definitely the bad guy <laughs> but uh since there was enough, like, I, like I said, I have enough cultural, like, pickup that, like, when they had the formula that, like, enrages the Pokemon and it had an R on it, I was like, are they introducing Team Rocket? Dude, that was yeah, that was the thing I was, like, I, when I was thinking back on this movie, I was like, oh, man, it would have been dope to just get two characters randomly try and steal Pikachu and just got fucking jetted somewhere, so... There they go, blasting off again. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, that was a fun movie. So, But then they do that other thing that's really weird that like bugs me, I guess, when these movies get like too winky-winky. And you have, <laughs> you have Pikachu singing the Pokemon theme song, and I was like, how does that exist in this world? Is there a Pokemon anime as well, and that's what we're doing here? I don't know. It felt, I it up felt like they were really trying to create that... Um the short the dark short that came out like five ten years ago uh which was kind of this premise um but yeah it's so those really weird strange moments like that also (laughs) also trying to run from uh pokemons in your car that can't go faster than them didn't make much sense doesn't make much sense but yeah good little movie um, from there, let's talk Game of Thrones, Season 8, Episode 5, and you tell me why it was great. I want you just to tell me why it was so bad, no, and no. I will try and refute all your things. You, I want you to go first. I don't want to be the bad guy this week. <laughs> but that's that's our point of Game of Thrones talk. You're the bad guy, and I talk you down off the ledge. That's fair. I mean, you did bring last episode around for me, so... We'll start. Um, That's it. Um, 
I'm basically I'm just on board with what they're doing now. I'm like, we're at the end. It's whatever, guys. There's stuff that works. There's stuff that doesn't work. But at this point, this is how you're telling the story. It's not going to end clean, and it never was. So let's just get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I am, too. It's like, oh, well, I got one more episode, so it ain't worth bitching about all this stuff. But, like, everybody's fucking having a heyday on Twitter. And it's like, you know, and I I'll, really, I'll get a thing of popcorn and just watch this mess go on. It's like If I gave one single fuck about social media, I would be on all those threads being like, why are you guys being so dumb? Huh? <laughs> why you? Have you not been watching the same fucking show I have for the past decade? Uh, yeah, so it's a lot of fun that way. Um, I don't know. It's it's a lot of mess. Uh, it looks great, but there's a lot of things that kind of don't. They walk away from a lot of the things they've built up over the last seven seasons, especially Arya. Arya is the biggest mess I've ever seen in this episode. What Arya is literally the most consistent character on the show. But she's she's was trained to be an assassin. She can wear anybody's face she wants to and doesn't do any of that and rather just basically hand holds the hound's hand until he gets to a point where he, she's like, Well, you're gonna die. And but bitch, you just traveled the length of a continent and didn't realize that death might have been around the corner. <laughs> I understand it's oh, no. plot shit just to get her down there, and I'm sure she's going to be the one to kill Daenerys, because why not? But, I don't know. It, it seems like she's so non-committal in, like, every season previously, like, she had this determination, and even the episode where uh, Winterfell, like, she gets a knock on the head, and even the producers after the after the episode are like well she got that knock on the head so she was kind of flustered and didn't know what she was doing but like you see her kind of doing that running through the streets of king's landing so it's like what are you guys trying to say like is she strong or is she just like scared for her life at this point i don't know i one i think they put her down in king's landing to give us a focal point to see what was happening um, cause if you just, there's no one left to follow that wouldn't have been tied up that could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's not about her being strong or weak. It's about, she finally, she's been treading down this path of revenge with all the intentions of knowing where it leads. And this whole season about has been about her being backing off, realizing mm-hmm. that that's not what she wants to do. And then as soon as she wants to be out, she wants to live and forgo all this. She has to get through this whole city that's burning around her. Nice. Um, and the whole time she's trying to save people while she does it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, it, it, it felt weird that they kind of, it felt like they were teasing us um, with uh, Jamie getting back and like, oh, is she going to kill him and wear his face to kill Cersei? And it's like, Cersei's death is so disappointing to a point where you were speaking last week, like, it's subverting expectations. I was like, well, I guess you did that because that's the lamest death of the whole series. Um, I don't don't think you needed that death, though. I think the lack of Cersei this entire season has been frustrating. Like, 
the fact that fucking Lena Headey is getting paid a million dollars an episode <laughs> and she's done nothing is nuts. Fucking brilliant. But um, the idea of like for everything that she's it's it's a role reversal, mm-hmm. right? At no point when she was doing the things that she needed to be in power did she care about the people she hurt or what was happening around her. And then when the tables are flipped and it's happening to her, she's begging for life. You know, I don't want to die. I have these things to live for. This isn't the way it should be. I think it's a nice little role reversal. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think the prophecy... Um... <sighs> The prophecy said her younger brother would have she would die with uh, her younger brother's hands around her throat, didn't it? I don't remember enough about uh, prophecies. Especially when it, the show has tangentially played with what any of that means. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was also the prince who was promised who would just stop the Night King and, you know, that was that Arya? I don't know, because fuck prophecies. Who cares? <laughs> I think it would have been uh, fun to cut back to the first season and, like, when the dude grabs her and, like, basically takes her to uh, Castle Black. Um, Like, treading those same paths and, like, cutting back to season one where she's running through through the streets and, like, saving people along the way. I think that would have made some sense, but, I mean, it's whatever. Um, Varus' death was kind of surprising. Um, I figured well, like, he was going to make soon, it to the end. As soon as that motherfucker was riding down, being like, I think we should overthrow our queen, I was like, oh, Varus. Oh, Varus, <laughs> you got fucked up. Uh, I, love, Although, I, love, I also love the point that Tyrion realizes that he was killed for uh, his betrayal and then goes ahead and betrays her again by uh, releasing Jamie. Which I'm sure she doesn't know about, but what the fuck? She's just throwing fire everywhere, so it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, at that point, it's just like, what does anyone do? Also, I, I love like that Drogon's such a wrecking ball that he could have just taken out the Iron Fleet last week and just was like, fuck it. I'm tearing, it was too scary. I'm everything up. <laughs> oh, but yeah, what a fucking worthless character you're on was though like i didn't need any of yep. any of him in the last two seasons but cool whatever he has to fucking fight jamie for no reason <laughs> he's just he's just that guy uh Glenville was worthwhile uh, it was weird that they they always wanted to kill him or they always wanted the hound to go out in a fire like that kind of just i was like that's just insult to injury but uh, it was well, cool. I like, love that battle. Like, I love that, like, they're like, you know, the thing that scared him the most is fire. And, you know, his hatred for his brother is all consuming that he can get past it and they die in fire together. And I'm like, yeah, you might have wanted that when you wrote it, but motherfucker <laughs> tackles him through a wall and then falls 50 stories into a fire. That was not, <laughs> like, a purposeful choice. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then the Arya's horse but out I of do... nowhere was kind of... Yeah, it's weird, because I don't know how to read that. <laughs> uh, like, I love everybody but... like, oh, it's got a, it's the death on a pale horse and shit. And I was like, no, I think they they just needed a way for her to get out of town, and she was fucking tired. <laughs> it's like... Well, because literally, again, I was like, the show really doesn't traffic in 
know, Chris, Christian imagery, but yeah. you know, that is not only a pale horse, but one that it's pale white and then covered in blood from the, mm-hmm. you know, hips down. I was like, it's death. And then I was like, I was like, okay, she's dead. This is Arya's fucking vision as she dies. But then you see in the preview for next week, and I was like, oh no, she's still there. Why couldn't they <laughs> kill there? See, now that would have been fucking dope. I wish but again, done that. I haven't figured it out because one, on one hand, I think they're setting her up to be the one that kills Danny. But then I'm like, I don't think they're going to let her kill the Night King and Danny. Yeah, I feel like that'd be a big oversight on their part. Um, I, I feel like but somebody then my else. Because I was talking to my buddy, and he's just like, I think she's going to get close. He's like, I think he's she's going to be wearing someone else's face, and she's going to be like right there by Danny. But then Drogon's going to like smell her or whatever and kill her. And see, that, see, and that'd be all right with me. I, I always figured um, it was going to be the mountain that killed her, and that would be the reason Hound would take on the big son of a bitch. So, um, have- and here's the problem: like, I, there's just little stuff that I wish, like, I wish that fucking. Listen, okay, Clegane Bowl was fucking dumb, but I wish that it had happened, uh, but not in a way like I wish he had killed the mountain and then somehow not been in the fucking Towers of the Red Keep so they could have a dragon flying overhead occasionally, but to where Arya would finally see him yeah. broken and instead of leaving him for dead, she would give him the mercy and kill him there. Yeah, yeah, like, that's I, what I was I hoping think- for then too. Um I understand why they did it, but like, honestly, whatever kill shots fucking Hound got on him, like, he literally stabbed him through the fucking face and he just starts pulling at his face. It's like, come on, guys. Like, there's a, there's a suspension of disbelief I can allow, and it's like, I understand there's a dragon flying overhead, lighting everything on fire, but like, the motherfucker is dead. <laughs> He's just pulling a dagger out of his face. It's like, it's. Okay, we got an hour and a half left. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> so, um, I guess the big thing we haven't touched on yet was uh, Danny. Uh, that seems to be the thing that everyone's pissed off about. It was so funny. Like, the bells rung, and I was like, oh, well, that was a little lackluster. And she just starts letting shit, start shit on fire again. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> fucking, light, fucking burn everything down. I don't give a fuck at this point. My favorite thing was like I saw one guy was t- like I saw his tweet thread as he's doing it, uh, and he's just like burn them all, and then the next one's like I didn't mean burn them all. No, stop. <laughs> I love it. I love that Cersei's just watching all this go down, and she's like, "All we need is one shot," and the dude's like, "We don't got any of those things to shoot with," so uh, she's pretty much unstoppable. <laughs> um. But yeah, but uh, like when I it happened, think... I was like, I was so shocked, but I was like, you know what? That makes sense. Fucking tear it up. Fuck them. It does. And like, that's the thing I don't get is like, I do wish that instead of these two shorter seasons, we've got maybe full two full seasons. So we could have explored this a yeah, little more. I, I think I saw but... a thread today that like, they should have had Viserion or her brother come back as like, this kind of thing that like shows that she's losing her mind slowly and like well i don't even think that it's 
I think it's reductive if they're literally just like, she's crazy because she's a Targaryen. Like, Danny has never not solved her problems by setting shit on fire. That's fair. That's always been that's always been her MO. Mm-hmm. The thing is though, that you see her coming to this because the main thing is when she was in Essos, she was freeing slaves and these poor people and she was the white savior and all these people were propping her up because of that. Mm-hmm. But when she comes to fucking Westeros, no one gives a fuck about her. Yeah. And she's just like, no one cares about me. My destiny is that I should be this, but no one wants it. Uh, her advisors, who always kept her in line, you know, like Tyrion talked her out of burning down fucking Marine, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, at this point, Jorah's dead. Missandei's dead. Mm-hmm. Grey Worm just wants to kill people. Tyrion has lost her trust. Varys is dead. She's all alone, and anyone who would have ever reigned her in is not there. Did you see that uh, post that was... Uh, I've I seen it floating around Twitter, and I think I retweeted it, but um, it was George R. R. Martin actually addressing this, like, back in 2012, I think. Um, because it, it was about the time where she was uh, freeing the slaves and everything, and, like, somebody had kind of figured this would be the path for her and like she was ruling in marine and she realized when she had to kill all the the keepers i can't think what the hell they were but um that she enjoyed war much more than she enjoyed ruling peacefully and um george had addressed this thread and it's fucking awesome um, so if you find that, definitely check that out. Yeah. But yeah, I and mean, it all made like, sense, but it's like, it, it, it it's just feels like, like, that's fine. And like, I just don't get the people who are like, they, this is character assassination and they've ruined, like, no, bitch, we've always been leading to that. Danny has never been benevolent. Oh, yeah. She's an idealist who wants to get what she wants. Mm. And I think she's like, let's get rid of all tyrants as long as I'm in power and I rule everything. That's cool, right, guys? Yeah. And if not, I'm going to fucking burn you. Uh, my favorite was like all the people being like, man, everyone who named their kid Daenerys and Khaleesi yes. a couple years ago really fucked up. It's that like, ooh, maybe, uh, whoops, whoopsie. But here's here's my main problem with it is one if if they try and just play it off as like mental illness and a targaryen blood curse and like that is bullshit yeah and i will fuck it the idea that women can't lead it you know my buddy put it the other night he was just like it's kind of fucked up you know the two most powerful women in Danny and Cersei would just ended up being crazy and fucking women, right? You know? See, and that's uh, that's the problem I have with this issue is because I it felt like so much these last two seasons we were leading to actually having a rightful queen on the throne that was going to rule. And I like even the play that she's had with John over the last season, like he doesn't want it. She's definitely going to take it herself, but like at this point, like it, it, it feels like such a wasted opportunity, but it also feels like something George R. R. Martin would do. 
But if yes, but if John takes the fucking Iron Throne, I hate the show forever. No, and that's the thing I was gonna say is like I hate the idea that, that we're just gonna let the fucking Jon Snow do nothing all the way up to the fucking Iron Throne. You know, like he does doesn't want it and he doesn't fucking deserve it, and we should just burn it all down. Yeah. So um, uh, hold on, I found that I found that post. So this is a blog post from 2013. Uh, it's the only post that uh, George R. R. Martin ever acknowledged about Danny, uh, and it only says no. You are the blood of the dragon. The whispering was growing fainter as if Sir Jorah was falling further behind. Dragons plant no trees. Remember that. Remember who you are, what you were meant to be. Remember your words, fire and blood. Daenerys told the swaying grass. Um, And this is, this is his uh, rebuttal to it. Uh, And there it is. A rejection of Marine, a rejection of peace, a rejection of bending over backwards to protect innocent life, a rejection of planting trees, and instead an embrace of vague, violent rhetoric about who she is made to be in her words, fire and blood. Uh, Since the first book, Danny has been tormented and it's, it's pretty good lengthy post. And like, this is the tragedy of Danny. She achieved peace and then she decided war felt better to her. So I was like, yeah. And that's always been that character. Mm-hmm. Plus I did see some interesting posts where like, and I was curious to go back too. And I'm glad I was able just to search the post instead of looking, but um, back in season two, there's when she goes to the house of the un- undying and she has the visions and she sees the iron throne. She's in the throne room and the whole roof is burnt and ripped off. And oh, there's snow fuck. everywhere. I totally forgot. About but that. It could, it, now you see it. It's ash. She, mm-hmm. bur- she saw herself burning everything down. Um, and then I think it was season four or five when Bran was fucking touching the weirwood and having visions. And it showed the shadow of the dragon flying over King's landing. Exactly how they did it in this season when she's, was flying towards the Red Keep and started fucking burning it. Damn, nice. Um, so so yeah. I do think I do think this is Martin's endgame. Yeah. I, I don't think I think a lot of it will make more sense when you get that point of view perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think he is going for, you know, ultimately it's not the Night King. It's not fucking Cersei. It's not even just Danny. It's the quest for power mm-hmm. and wanting to rule and that's what is the downfall of everything yeah so uh yeah that's game of thrones for this week uh we got the finale next week very finale next week the finale of season four of battlestar galactica we got john wick three um and then what do we got for best and worst then uh we do not have a worst since you decided we're opting out of spoof movies oh, thank so christ uh, what? Here's one I'm really excited for on the best list. What's that? You ready? Yes. 1977 Star Wars. Hmm. Interesting. I'm fucking. I'm down. Hell yeah. I think I might even dig in my DVD collection and find the the pre uh, pre special editions. <laughs> those were those are not on DVD, my friend. I thought he had uh, the extras. You could take it away. No, son of a the, bitch. The <laughs> only, the only originals are VHS. Once they put out 
once they went to DVD, oh, all yeah. the releases have been the special editions. That makes sense. Well, son of a bitch. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I was thinking about um, the fucking Tauntaun scene with Han the other day, and I was like, oh, shit, that's Empire. Like, is Empire on the list, down the list? Did I, I'm fairly certain if Star Wars is this high, Empire's higher. Okay, yeah, that's what I figured, so... Yeah, I'm fucking down. I'm I'm excited to talk Star Wars next week. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh you got anything else you want to watch? Uh I'm not sure. I'll if if there is an oh, um before you go into the BSG episodes, yeah. the plan it would be the next thing to watch. If I don't know if it's on anything besides Hulu though. Okay. Uh, I think I'll just have to rent it like I did with Razor, and that's not a big deal. So, yeah. watch that prior to watching these last five? Yes, because it came out after the series, but it's all about, like, the first two seasons through the eyes of the Cylons. Okay. But, so, it does not work coming after the finale. Yeah. And you couldn't have watched it before because you find out Ellen's the last Cylon. And, and, and especially so now that you're explaining what the actual plan was, like, that makes a lot more fucking sense. Like, what a brilliant show. So, uh, yeah, watch all that stuff and catch our episode next week about all that good stuff. Uh, and we'll check in with yeah. you for all of that. Uh, and we'll finally put a nail in the coffin of Game of Thrones. So, peace, pineapple, all that good stuff. Later.